right, good morning, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody this morning? Yes, who is glad to be in the house of the Lord on a beautiful Sunday morning? Hey, isn't this better than being in the best hospital in all of Southern California? Yeah, is this better than being in the best jail in the whole West Coast? You're not, you're not sounding believable today. I said, who is glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yeah, come on, yes. Well, praise God, we are going to have an awesome, awesome time today. Uh, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up. We're almost a fall time here, our favorite time of the year at High Desert Word Center. And so hold on to your seats. we got great stuff coming. But the first thing we're going to do this morning is speak some words of faith over the United States of America. Can you stand up with us this morning? Praise the Lord. We believe that America is coming to Jesus and somebody would say, man, it doesn't look like that. Well, you keep your mouth shut because we walk by faith, not by sight. Am I right? Amen. Well, let's say this together and say it in faith and say it like you mean it. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right? Can you remain standing this morning? Can you remain standing? I want to go ahead as a church family and pray for, again, our Christian brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, and I want to pray for our military and for the families of those that were killed this week, and we want to pray God's protection and mercy throughout the rest of this situation, and uh, we just want to see some miracles take place. Amen. Mom, you want to go ahead? And we need to pray for the Afghanis who helped the United States of America. That's extremely important. Amen. That's right. We don't want to turn our backs on them now. Amen. Let's go ahead and raise our hands as a sign of faith and unity. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that you are good. You are a good God and that right now you see the situation. We don't have to fill you in. We don't have to give you the news. You know all. You see all. And Lord, we thank you that you are there right now. Lord, we place a hedge of protection. Lord, first of all, over our military that's over there, God, over our United States Marines and the Army and the Navy and, and, the, and the Air Force and anyone else that's over there right now. We thank you that not another one of them is going to lose their life in this. Protect them in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray for uh, the, the people that helped us over there, God, the, the Afghan nationals that, that were interpreters and, and helped us in all these other ways. Lord, I pray for protection on them. Help us to get them to a place of safety. And Lord, we also especially pray for our Christian brothers and sisters over there right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, protect them, keep them safe. Lord, I say that no danger, no evil can touch them, Lord. Keep them strong, keep them uh, out of fear, and just let them have the peace of God right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for miracles, for breakthroughs, 
and somehow, some way, this turning around in the mighty name of Jesus and give our leaders wisdom in Jesus' name. Lord, even if they don't rely on you or believe in you, we thank you that we're praying for them whether we agree with them, whether we like them or not. We were told to pray for them and so we do that in the name of Jesus. We thank you for wisdom and the hand of God intervening in this situation. In the mighty name of Jesus, somebody say amen. Amen. Give the Lord some praise today and you may be seated. All right. You may be seated today. All right. Very good. Well, I'm going to go over a few announcements Then I'm going to have uh, Pastor Katie uh, give you a, a little uh, information on some of the church software. And some of you are like, what's that? Well, you'll find out in a minute. So anyway, uh, do we have any men in the house today? All right. Hey, I did this Wednesday. I'm going to give you a better shot to redeem yourselves. Do we have any men in the house this morning? Do we have any ladies in the house this morning? (laughs) All right, men, there it is. The battle of lines have been drawn. You've got to do better. Anyway, uh, we have the men's meeting. Our monthly men's meeting is this Saturday. All right. At 9 a.m. next door in Victory Hall. Men, come on out, bring your sons if they're, you know, of age to be able to sit there and listen. And Robert Valdez, the man himself, I don't see him, but he's around here somewhere. Robert has promised a sausage smorgasbord for us. I'm talking about, he, he's, he started naming all these sausages and I'm like, yes, keep it coming. And so, big breakfast this Saturday morning, but even bigger than the breakfast is the Word of God. Amen? Because we're going to be having the bread of life from Jesus. Amen? And so, uh, be here, man, this Saturday. Now, this next weekend is Labor Day weekend. There's no Sunday night service this coming Sunday. So just remember that. Spend some time with your family and, uh, and celebrate that way. And then on September the 10th, I'll let Katie do this one. So, ladies, thank you for being louder. Women's meeting is September 10th. We will all be there. And it's Italian night, so bring something to share. And you know, chocolate and dessert, right? Bring that too. Bring that too. We'll, you know, have our, our big buffet. And it's, I think, our first women's meeting that we haven't had to have, like, you know, individually wrapped things. Um, and so we'll have a good buffet. It'll be great. And Miss Pastor is bringing the word. And so it'll be a great time of fellowship and the word. Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. The next two Tuesdays are our wrap-up of our Tuesday night Bible study. So we'll be covering chapter 7. So if you need information on that, get with me before you leave here today. And you will receive a text message this week as a reminder. I know you didn't last week. My bad. So next two Tuesdays, and then we're over for women's Bible study because we're kicking off for monthly lift women's. Praise God. And that same weekend... Ron and Annette Thiessen, pastors Ron and Annette Thiessen will be with us. There are missionaries um, from Peru and Honduras. They are who pastor stayed with when he got stuck in Peru. And they are amazing, hardworking parts of the body of Christ. They're tremendous people who have done tremendous works for the Lord. And so if you miss, you're really missing out. So be here Sunday to make sure that you are able to receive from them. They will bless your life for sure. Also, FPU then begins that Monday. So it's a very busy weekend. Women's on Friday the 10th. Sunday morning the 12th is the Thesons. And then Monday the 13th is FPU. If you need to sign up for Financial Peace University or you need to get your money straight doing it God's way, 
you need to go to hdwc.org slash fpu hdwc.org slash fpu to sign up it'll walk you through the sign up on that then this is almost the last one september 19th is baptisms baptisms i love baptisms it's our opportunity to rejoice with you for your life being changed and all that God has done in you and changed you from. So baptisms are a really big deal around here. Sunday morning, September 19th, we'll be doing baptisms. There is a sign-up sheet on the info booth. If you have not signed up but would like to, make sure your name and phone number get there so we can get a hold of you and get you some additional details that you will need. Okay, now for some business. Are you ready for some business? You're going to listen to me even though it's a little boring. Nod your head and act like yes. Okay. All right. So we have a couple things going on. Our ministry of helps. That is where you help the church, where you get to be a part of the body of Christ. And each one of us get to serve Jesus with our gifts and talents and skills and abilities. And we get to minister to others. So it's extremely important that we all, once we're saved and discipled, that we get to serve. So our ministry of helps is what we call that particular area. Lots of you received this weekend incorrect text messages and emails with wrong dates and complete randomness. I'm sorry. We're working on some things. We have this software that allows us to communicate quicker and more easily with you but because we made a mess it did not communicate at all really it just made a mess so i'm going to walk you through a little bit of what this looks like if you're already serving in an area you will understand this if you have not yet seen any of this then stop by the coffee bar and talk to me after service and i will get you connected so that you can receive the communication that way our goal is to get you emails at the end of a month for the month following. So for instance, this weekend, you would have gotten emails for where you're serving in September. And then you can decide, yes, I want to serve there. No, I don't want to serve there. And then we can adjust accordingly. Then you would get some text messages as reminders with where you're serving in dates and times the day before. Okay, you with me? So, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, it's okay, we'll talk after service. If you're not yet serving in an area, you can just talk to Jesus during this time. It'll be fine. If you are serving or you're connected and wanting to serve, pay close attention. Okay? All right. So, our first slide here, Miss Maylie, this is what the email is going to look like for you to... uh accept serving in an area. So you'll get an email and it's going to say you've been requested to serve. Then you're going to click on respond to request. Now in this email, you see that it says bookstore and it says 10 a.m. service and that you need to be there at 9 a.m. and the date you need to be there. Okay. So it's going to look that way for any other area in particular too. It may say jam children's church and it may say you're working the second and third grade group on any particular Sunday. Okay. It also may say janitorial and that you're cleaning the bathrooms on a particular Saturday. So what you want to do here is you want to check the date in your own life at this point. 
and decide what you're doing. So then you're going to click that blue button. You can go to the next one. And then once you click that blue button, you're going to go to a website, a screen that's going to allow you to accept or decline that invitation to serve. If you can't serve, that's okay. Just click decline and tell us you're not coming then. If you can serve or it's a regular time that you're scheduled to serve, just click accept. It lets us know that you are going to be there at that time. Then on our next one, what I want to talk to you about is our software. You're going to get those emails and that communicates to us, but we want for you to be able to see where you've agreed to serve all in one place, in one list. So in order to do that, we have to have your email set up. It's really very simple. I'm not going to add an app to your phone. I'm not going to clog up your phone. But we have hdwc.fellowship1go.com. And then you do a little login and you can see your whole schedule all together. So all the areas all at one time. And you can go in there and accept or decline or you can change. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to make it that Sunday. And you can change it from there as well. So this is our last one. We're almost done. Thank you for enduring. Our last one here, Miss May, uh, it has two options in your login screen. So when you go to hdwc.fellowship1go.com, you can click login or you can click sign up. On the sign up tab, that's where you set up having that login where you can see your schedule. If you already have this going on, you're already getting these emails and accepting you are already set up and so you can click login and it will get you that information. If you have never done this before and you would like to, stop me at the coffee bar. Okay? Now, what you need to know, the bottom line to all of that is this. You should be getting emails for the whole month early. So right this Monday, you will get all of your serving emails this Monday so that they are all in one pile in your email so they don't get as annoying and they don't get lost. So I need you to respond so that we can do a better job in communicating with you. I apologize for the messes that we have made and we're going to do a better job at it in September. I can promise you that. In addition to all this information and you're like, oh gosh, that was a lot all at one time. In addition to all this, I have paper schedules for you on the info booth. Just take a paper schedule, okay? And we'll work on the rest and go with it together, okay? You with me? Okay, I appreciate all of you so very, very much. If it weren't for you serving and it weren't for you being here and being part of the body, there would be no church. So thank you very, very much for all the areas you serve in, all the things that you do that no one notices, We are so, so grateful for you. I love you. All right. Awesome. Yes. Amen. You know, it takes a lot to make the church run, and there's more than just preaching on Sunday morning. You guys know that. And when everybody chips in and does the job gets done. And so thank you to everybody that does serve. And I encourage you that if you don't serve yet, that there's an area you could help out in. 
And uh, we're going to be doing a membership class uh, probably at the beginning of October. You know, there's a lot of new people that uh, they'd like to become a member, and we'll get you some info on that. And then uh, the next step after that is, hey, I want to help out somewhere. To be, to be a healthy Christian, you can't only take in you've got to give out some right we talked about that last week you got to be able to serve and use the gifts that god's given you or you become stagnant and stale and we don't want that we want you to be a healthy strong christian in the last days can somebody say amen today Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to have pastor come on up this morning. He has been out of town for the last couple of weeks in Indiana, Kentucky, and I don't know wherever else, Illinois, all over the place doing some great stuff. So anyway, but he's back. He's going to take up our Sunday morning tithes and offerings today. What time is it, boys and girls? Yes. God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, hold up your hand if you did envelope for your tithes and for your offerings. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about, uh, uh, Pastor Katie up here shared the things she was. I was thinking what Paul said about the women being silent in the churches. Man, I'm, I'm glad she's not silent. Has, has, has a lot to share. And then also in that same passage, she said, God's not the author of confusion, but of peace. And so if that put confusion on you, my eyes have quit spinning in just a minute. So. Because <laughs> when back when Mrs. Pastor, I started pastor, I was thinking, man, we didn't have stuff like that. But you know what? We're able to do so much better with modern technology. And I'm so grateful that our kids, that our grandkids have been raised in the computer world so we can communicate better and do better what we're supposed to do. And uh, like I was telling Matt at the airport when we was coming back from uh, Indiana, the TSA guy was checking stuff and wasn't off had a laptop in my bag. I said, no, I said, I'm doing good with the iPhone. That guy went to a big, long dissertation. I said, that's why we got grandkids. If we need to do something, we just ask them how to do it, and they get the job done. But anyway, the things she said were so good, learn how to use those systems to be able to do better and better. And the reason I say that is the times we live in right now, our world, and this isn't any new news, is an absolute mess. But God is not, and Jesus is not. And we are the ones that convey the information from heaven to people to help them live a good life in this confused world. Amen. And so when people come in to the church, they need somebody here to man every battle station so they can get in they get freed up so they can serve Jesus too. And so it's so grateful to have people in those positions to be able to watch the kids, clean the church, do all those things so new people come into a place that has the peace of God in it. And so the more people that come in and get the peace of God, then the more people God can sit in because the more people take care of the new people's kids and take care of the church, amen. So we never take those things lightly. And I, I really appreciate what uh, Pastor Katie and the rest of them do in this modern technical age. I'm not going to make any bad confessions on myself about it, but I can turn my iPhone on and I can read emails and I can send text. And I've learned more all the time. Amen, amen, amen. All right, I want you to open up your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of times at offering times, we're just sitting there, our minds are wondering, thinking, man, I, w- I wish I'd get on to the next part. Well, I've got things from heaven to share with you to help you. Has anybody noticed that gas prices are higher than they were last year? Has anybody noticed that groceries are more than last year my wife my wife went to the store when we got back from indiana 
And I saw how much she spent at the store, and I didn't, we didn't even talk about it. I just thought, wow, she must have got a bunch of cash back or something. What did cash back? She said from two weeks ago when she left, bacon's went up another dollar pound over what it was, and things have went up. But you know what? That didn't affect heaven. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I've lived out my faith on the earth, but my faith has got to be in what heaven says, not what earth says. Amen. And so uh, I want to say this. Joshua is getting ready to teach this morning on finances, financial things. going to be talking about FPU, which is Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. A lot of us have been through that. And listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you something from God. I got on the way into church this morning. I had Mr. Pastor write it down. But I always said, listen real, real, real closely what I'm going to say. Joshua, my son Joshua, is going to be teaching some natural things about how to manage your money. How many know if your boat's got a hole in it and you keep bailing water out of the boat to so your boat afloat, if you don't patch the hole, it doesn't make a difference how much water you get out of it, it's going to keep filling up. If you don't stop doing the stupid things you're doing, the way you manage your money, it doesn't make a difference how much you make. You keep on getting raises and raises and raises and raises. But if your bucket's got a hole in it, you're not going to make enough money until you start changing the way you do things. And so Joshua is going to teach some natural things how to manage money. And uh, he's well able to teach the Bible too. I'm going to teach spiritual things right now, just a little bit of spiritual things. And so listen to this. To succeed financially, you need the natural and you need the spiritual. Now, when you get the spiritual working with the natural, then your natural becomes supernatural. God's super and your wise management becomes supernatural finances. God's super is the anointing. Whatever the anointing gets on natural things, then they become supernatural things. Give me an example. How many know the Bible says, call for the elders of the church if you're sick and they'll anoint you afar in the name of the Lord. And then it says the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Well, the oil isn't some magical thing. That's the point of contact God gave. You can take oil and you can put it in your cooking stuff and it's still just oil. But you take that same oil put it in a little bottle and you anoint somebody in the name of the Lord, pray the prayer of faith, all of a sudden that natural became supernatural because the anointing of God got involved. In your finances, now listen to me real closely. I'm helping you. Josh is going to help you. If you manage your money right and then you do the spiritual, you become a person that pays tithes to God, 10% of your income, and you give offerings, that God's anointings on your natural management. You can manage good, but if you're not a tither, you're not going to have the full blessing of God on it. But when you manage good and you're a tither too, then you are operating the supernatural realm. I want to say it again. The natural becomes supernatural when God puts his anointing on it. And so listen to the things Josh has to teach. If you've never been through FPU, then sign up for FPU. He'll tell you all about it when he when he does his stuff in a little bit. But I'll tell you what, right now, there's no reason, there's no reason for a serious, committed, Bible-believing Christian to go broke. Amen. You do what God wants you to do, 
And it doesn't make any difference if you have a fast food job or if you're a corporate executive. When you got the blessing of God in your life, you're going to prosper. Amen, amen. So Philippians 4.19, now listen to this. This is something else that's going to help you in the times we live in. He says, but. Everybody say, but. That but right there is a key word determines if you're going to prosper or if you're going to go broke. It says, but. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so the times we live in, you've got to know how to use your butt right. And I'm not saying something uh, wrong there, but the butt, you've got to you, you can use this butt to your advantage. And what do I mean by that? I'll guarantee you, every day you're tempted to say these words, I'm getting ready to say, or somebody that crosses your path is going to say these words. Did you see how high gas is? It went up again. Bacon went up again. Well, you know how much it costs to buy a pair of shoes now for the kids? And they're growing. Every time somebody tells you the bad news about what's going on, you immediately got to answer this. But, my God, shall supply all of my need. Somebody says, why? Do you know what gas is down at Circle K right now? Gas is up to $4.99. But, my God shall supply all of my gas. For his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What do you know? They just cut my hours. But my God shall supply all of my need. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You need, you need, if you're having trouble with your faith for money, you need to meditate on Philippians 4.19. You need to get that first word out there. You need to get that but become part of your conversation. You need to program yourself an automatic pilot. As soon as you're tempted to say how high whatever it is is, well, immediately, immediately, open your mouth and say, But my God shall supply all those shoes. But my God shall supply all that book money. But my God shall supply all that tuition. Whatever it is. And, you know, let me ask you something. Are we faith people or are we fear people? You know, all faith is, is having confidence that God has your future. Fear is just the opposite, that the devil has your future. And so, no matter what goes on, we've always got to be able ready to say, but. It may be a fact that this is what's going on, but my God will supply all of my need. I don't want gasoline to go up another penny. I want it to go in reverse. But my God will supply $5 a gallon. But. My God will supply $25 get out. That's what it takes. My God is a supernatural God. I'm a tither. I give offerings. And because I'm hooked up with God's plan, His anointing is on my money. God's anointing is on my car. God's anointing is on our groceries. God's anointing is on our grandkids. God's anointing is on our children. And guess what? God is not broke. Heard a man say one time that one of his cup's names is El Shaddai, not El Chipo. And so El Shaddai is my father. How about you? Everybody say, but my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. Not according to what goes on in America. 
Amen, amen, amen. God's bigger than America. Hallelujah. Well, let's make our financial faith confession. And then if you'd like to, bring your tithes and offerings up to the altar and worship God with it. If you're giving online and things like that, then you walk up this way anyway. Just stay up here and worship up here at the altar with us. Amen. Let's, let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raising bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take care of my family, give just in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, when you're done worshiping the Lord with your tithes and your offerings, join us up here at the altar and let's praise the Lord together on today. He does great things, amen?
God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant, no faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven, you do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart burn when you speak a word and it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great 
Death could not hold you The veil tore before you You silenced the boast Of sin and grave The heavens are roaring The praise of your glory For you are raised to life again You have no rival You have no equal Now and forever God you reign Yours is the King Yours is the glory. We do declare that you are the name above all names. There is no name. There is no other word. There is nobody on the same level as you. And Jesus, we thank you that you love us, Lord, that that you accept us, that you you make us righteous because of your blood and that you enable us, Lord, to go in to the presence of God, the father. We thank you so much. We don't deserve it. It's not because we're all that. It's because you're all that. And we thank you, Jesus, that you love us and you look past any 
flaws and mistakes and imperfections and you still forgive us when we call upon your name. We thank you. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you this morning that you do need to be aware of the power that is in the name of Jesus. Amen. Because most Christians... Most Christians will say, oh yeah, yeah, no, there's power in the name of Jesus. But if you get the revelation in your heart, the power that is available to you, you rejoice. You do something with that power. Amen. Amen. I was thinking about in Luke chapter 10, uh, Jesus sent out 72 disciples. And he's like, hey, go in my name and, and do these works. And the 72 come back and they were rejoicing. They said, Lord, even the demons, even the devil himself has to obey us when we use your name. They were shocked. And Jesus wasn't shocked. He said in Luke 10, I believe it's verse 18, he said, listen, I'm not ashamed or I'm not shocked about this. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning and I have given you authority over all the works of the devil. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and the devil himself and none of these things can injure you if you use my name. And so I encourage you this morning that if you have weapons formed against you if you have some things going on in your life quit sitting there and feeling sorry for yourself start using the name of jesus and i'm telling you what the devil has to flee the devil has to flee and i got story after story but i'm not going to cut into my brother's preaching time we don't let him preach that often so this is his day i don't want to i don't want to steal this from him but i just want to tell you right now that you better know the power that's in the name of jesus amen if it could save you from hell what could it do for you here on earth amen sickness has to flee poverty has to flee depression has to flee any weapon formed against you has to flee because of the name of jesus and don't you be ashamed about that name use it everywhere you go say his name say it loud say it proud say it so everybody around you hears it jesus saved you jesus healed you jesus restored you jesus picked you up and you are not ashamed of the gospel let's give the lord some praise today amen hallelujah lord you are good you are good and your mercy endures forever and ever and ever And we receive you into this place in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, I'll let you go ahead and make your way to your seats. Amen. I'm not going to get going here. Praise God. All right. Well, what a great time of praise and worship, man. There's just nothing like that, being in the presence of God. And, uh, man, as, as, as nice and fun as it is to, to worship on TV and worship at home, there is nothing like being in the house with the people, with the Father. Amen. There, there's just, you can't, you can't buy that. Amen. It's the presence of God together. Alright, well, this morning, um, you, you've been hearing us announce that we are starting up our Financial Peace University. It's the first time we've been able to do it since January of 2020. And usually we do this a couple times a year. It's, uh, through Dave Ramsey, I'll let Josh talk about this, but uh, wonderful Christian principles on how to handle your money. But it's not just uh, all Bible, it's a lot of practical information too, and that's why I like it. But I'll let Josh, you know, probably share some of his story on what God's done in their finances, and it's just going to be really, really good. So please pay attention today, and uh, you know, I was sitting here thinking of stuff I could say to... (laughs) 
<laughs> we kind of go at each other because we're brothers. And uh, but anyway, I want we're gonna have a really good time today. And he is all joking aside, he's very anointed in this area. And they've God's just done miraculous things in their finances. And uh, because of this same wisdom, it's really helped our church finances out. And we've been able to do a lot of great things uh, because of this. So anyway, I won't make fun of him. I'll just let him preach today. So all right, thank you everybody. Let's hear it for. Josh, our brother. Amen. My brother. Well, hopefully he doesn't regret not making fun of me because I had some good stuff on him written. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm going to do something a little bit slightly different today. Uh, I, if we could, I want us to all stand together. We're going to read a passage of scripture together. Uh, if you want, let's, uh, if you're able, you can flip over to uh, Matthew chapter 25. Uh, and she's going to have it on the screen here. And it's a, it's a decent-sized portion of Scripture, but I figured we could stand, and uh, I'll read it. Just we'll stand out of honor of God's Word. So uh, we'll give you a second to flip there. Um, we're going to read the parable of the talents. Yes. <laughs> Good one, yeah. All right. Uh, we'll start uh, here in verse uh, number 14, and I'll read it for us. It says, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant uh, the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. Uh, verse 20, the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have, inve- I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then verse 24. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Verse 26, it says, But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have earned uh, some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And let's pray together. Father God, in Jesus' name, I just ask today that uh, as I bring forth your word, you would help me to speak the words you would have me to speak. 
I ask that you'd help us all here to have attentive hearts and attentive minds to receive what you have for us, Lord. Uh, and ultimately, I ask that you'd just help us to grow and become more like you in the way that we handle our finances and just in the way that we live our lives. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated. So uh, my title today, uh, and for those of you that have been around very long, you know I only know like three sermons, so I kind of preach the same one. Once a year they let me preach, so I just change the title and preach the same sermon. So, <laughs> But hopefully, hopefully you still get something out of it. Um, today the title is called uh, The Stewardship Principle. Subtitle, God Won't Give You More Than You Could Handle. Uh, and I always, uh, every time I preach this message, I have to clarify what I mean by this phrase, because most of the time when you hear this phrase, it's after something bad has happened in someone's life, and some crazy old religious person is trying to make them feel better, and they say, well, that's okay, God must have known you can handle it, God won't give you more than you can handle. But, for those of us that have been around this church for more than three minutes, we know that God is not the one who puts bad things in our lives. John 10.10 says it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give us life and to give us life in abundance. Uh, Another translation says he comes so that we can have and enjoy life. So if it's something that's bad in your life, it didn't come from God. It came from the thief very clearly in John 10.10. And then uh, James 1.13 says that when someone's tempted, uh, they should not say that God is tempting me because God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So all of these bad things in your life, they don't come from God. They come from the thief. Plain as day in the Bible. Uh, But let me throw in one side note I always like to throw in here. Um, When you do have bad things in your life, for example, if you leave your front door open and your dog escapes and runs away, God didn't take your dog from you. You just left your front door open and you were stupid. (laughs) Or uh, if you have, like, uh, say, an old Uncle Chester who smoked... Seven packs of cigarettes a day from the time he was seven till the time he was 70, and then he dies of lung cancer. God did not single out Uncle Chester and throw lung cancer on him. He brought that on himself by smoking all those cigarettes. But anyways, besides all of that, God only gives us good things. James chapter 1, uh, verse 17 says that every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like like shifting shadows. So all of that out of the way, what do I mean then by God won't give you more than you can handle? And that's where I want to talk today a little bit about stewardship. And stewardship is, uh, it used to be a, a long time ago, everybody knew what that word means, but most of us now have no clue what stewardship means. Does anybody in here know what stewardship means? Like three people. So I'll give you, I just Googled stewardship just to see what it means. And it says, the job of supervising or taking care of something, such as an organization or a property. So stewardship just means that you're taking care of something. So that's when you hear stewardship, it just means you're managing or taking care of something. And now uh, I want to read us a a portion of scripture that illustrates this point uh, about how God can't give us more than we can handle. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, and uh, I think I'll just read it just for time's sake today. Second Kings chapter 4, and we'll read verses 1 through 7. It says, One day the widow 
of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, she said, except a flask of oil, uh, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many jars, uh, empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your, your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. And soon, every single container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Uh, verse 7, it says, that When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. So what I mean by God won't give you more than you can handle is, uh, you can see in this uh, story, when she could no longer physically contain the blessing or the miracle from God, that's when it stopped flowing in her life. Uh, and it's just like uh, the parable of the talents that we started out reading. Uh, verse 29 of that, uh, that talks about, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So God can't give you more than you can handle, or it's just going to mess you up. Uh, if you can't properly handle or steward money or blessing from the Lord, it can definitely limit the extent to which God can bless you. God has to see that we can properly handle uh, what he's going to give us before he can bless us even more. Um, and a lot of people think, that, you know, if I just if I won the lottery or if I had some rich uncle and he died and left me a million dollars, it would fix everything. That would just, all my problems would disappear. But actually, they've done tons of studies on this. Uh, and uh, there's the, uh, there was a study that done, they did a few years ago, the National Endowment for Financial Education. And it showed that 70% of people who had unexpectedly come into large sums of money ended up completely broke within seven years. So all of these lottery winners, within seven years, they're back as broke as they were before they won a penny. Or here's uh, another one. 78% of NFL players are bankrupt, completely bankrupt within 12 years of retirement. So these guys make all these millions of dollars, and within 12 years, they have nothing to show for it. Or here's one, maybe it might hit a little closer to the home. Uh, how many of us got stimulus checks a couple months back? Can anyone in here even tell me what you spent it on? Some of you, some of you. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, you've been through FPU, so you don't count. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but a lot of people, they get, it said the average check was $1,800. A lot of us got a lot more than that. And a lot of us probably have no clue what even happened to it. So the answer to your financial problems uh, is not going to be some random unexpected windfall or money raining down from heaven. God can't bless you with more money if you foolishly handle it because you'll end up just worse off than you were before. And this is something that uh, my wife and I have seen in our life. Uh, now, the Lord's always taken care of us. We've never been homeless or on the, on the verge of salvation. But
But, um, what? Salvation? Sorry. <laughs> We've never been on the verge of starvation. <laughs> uh, we got hecklers in the front row here. My own, my own brother, nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, we, we always were able to eat, and we always had a roof over our head, but, uh, we were definitely, we were making some really stupid, uh, choices, and it definitely limited the way God could bless us. Uh, uh, when we got married, we had only been married a few months, and we just started racking up credit card debt on the stupidest things. Like, uh, I remember one time, uh, we didn't have money to go, uh, for dinner, so we decided, well, we'll just put it on the credit card, and then, Instead of like, you know, going to McDonald's and spending five bucks, we're like, well, what's going on the credit card anyways? So we went and spent out like a hundred bucks on dinner and put it on the credit card. Uh, and we just did a series. At one time we, uh, forgot to, we forgot that rent was coming up, so we had to pay our rent on our credit card. Um, we just made all sorts of stupid decisions. Within a few months, uh, we were $27,000 in debt on, on uh, unsecured credit card debt, just on stupid stuff. Um, and we had to learn how to biblically handle money. We, uh, I remember uh, Julie started telling me she wanted me to go to this FPU class with her. Um, but our church in, in Denver, where we lived at the time, was holding it on Sunday night. And I'm like, I'm not going on Sunday night. That's Sunday night football. <laughs> and uh, she slowly convinced me to go because there was like a bad game on that night. And somehow it really stuck with me. It was probably, I think the Cowboys were playing. Uh, oh. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> she convinced me to go, and it really stuck with me. And uh, the next thing you know, I was the one dragging her to class. And we decided we were going to start paying off our debt. And we weren't making much money, but we're like, you know what? You've, a lot of you have heard this testimony. We're like, we're just going to take our time, and we'll pay it off as much as we can. But once, it's almost like God's like, okay, I see they're doing the right thing now. Uh, with Unexpectedly, within a short period... We both got raises on our job and doubled our income within like a couple of months. Um, and so something we thought was going to take us like three or four years ended up taking us, Julie, how many months? 14 months. Yeah, yeah, I have it written down here. Within 14 months, <laughs> we were completely debt-free other than our mortgage. And that's how Julie and I have been for uh, over 10 years now, not a penny of debt other than our mortgage. And as some of you might know, uh, about three months ago, we actually paid off our mortgage. So, So we have not a penny of debt, no car payments, no student loans, no credit cards, not even a mortgage. Um, And here's even the interesting part. Uh, At the time in our lives, uh, just these last couple of months, when you, in the natural, I least need more money, uh, right after we paid off our mortgage, my job offered me another promotion. So uh, the Lord has just continued to see us handling money properly, and he's continued to pour out this blessing on our life. So uh, now I've just got another raise. And since we have no payments of any kind, we're able to give generously like never before. And just like we were just saying in the financial faith confession, we have more than enough to take great care of our family and give generously into the kingdom of God. Um, and I think I don't think if if we were back uh, at home watching Cowboys games on Sunday night football and and putting dinner on our credit cards, I don't think the Lord could have blessed us like He has. 
Uh, and so what I want to talk just for a, a few short minutes here um, is, well, then in that case, how do you handle money biblically? Um, and uh, there is a, a book where I got a lot of these principles. It's called uh, Total Money Makeover. So they've got copies in the bookstore. You can pick one up if you want. Or uh, at the end, I'll talk about uh, FPU, which is a class, a nine-week class, that discusses a lot of these things I'm going to talk about uh, in detail. But let's uh, talk for just a minute about how to uh, handle money biblically. The first thing that you need to do to handle money biblically is you need to get out of debt. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 7, says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Anytime the, and this is just one example, I could find a bunch of other ones, but anytime the Bible mentions debt, it's always in a negative context. The Bible doesn't have anything good to say about debt. Um, and uh, it's nice to hear that the Bible says that, but it's not just the Bible that says it. It's uh, natural wisdom shows the same thing. They actually did a study a few years ago where they interviewed the Forbes 400, which are the 400 richest people in North America. And uh, 67% of these people are first-generation rich. That means 7 out of 10 of them didn't inherit a penny. They all made it, started at zero, and became the 400 richest people in America. And 75% of these people said the number one key to becoming wealthy is to get out of debt and stay out of debt. You have to get out of debt and stay out of debt because if you're just throwing all of, all of your income away on car payments, credit cards, whatever... You're not going to ever make any progress. So the first thing you've got to do is you have to quit borrowing money if you want to get out of debt. You can't get out of a hole if you're continuing to dig out the bottom un- from underneath yourself. Um, Dave Ramsey calls it having plastic surgery. And he does this thing where he will he has these gigantic, comically oversized scissors that he cuts up everybody's credit cards with. Um, but you have to quit borrowing money. And just to be clear... Debt is anything that you have payments on. If you can't pay cash, then you really honestly can't afford it. So that would be anything like student loans, uh, 90 days, same as cash. My personal pet peeve uh, is car payments because cars go down in value. So you're putting your money on something. You're putting all of your hard-earned money on something that goes in down in value. And just to show you how silly of a decision this is, uh, the average car payment is $478. If you took $478 and you put it in some basic mutual fund type investment from age 30 to age 70, when you reach age 70 and it's retirement time, your car payment would turn into $5.6 million. That's pretty nuts to me. And Or or your, five, your $478 could turn your $20,000 car into a $5,000 car. So it's your choice. You want the $5,000 car that's you know, just going down in value or all these millions of dollars for retirement. But if you avoid debt, there are going to be times that you're not going to be able to do things that you really, really desperately want to do. But you just got to learn how to say no because essentially debt is the this like the adult version of a of a four year old throwing a tantrum in the grocery aisle because they want a, you know a 
candy or whatever. It's like, I want it, I want it, I want it. But you have to learn how to say no to yourself. Um, <laughs> it's definitely true. Um, in fact, uh, Hebrews 12.11 uh, tells us that uh, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So you have to discipline yourself if you want this harvest of righteousness and blessing in your life. And something else uh, about debt is that using debt, it could also hinder blessings from the Lord. Um, if your go-to anytime there's a crisis is to just, well, I'll just, I'll take out a loan or I'll put it on my credit card, you could be hindering a blessing uh, from the Lord. And a very good recent example of this is, uh, everybody feel the nice cool air in this building. I don't know how many of you were here last summer when it was like 90 degrees in here on this exact same Sunday. <laughs> um, the church desperately needed new ACs and a lot of churches, when they reach that situation, they would just go to the bank and take out a loan and pay the, take, uh, to get their ACs and they'd be paying on them for the next, you know, 15, 20 years. What we decided as a church, we've decided that just like uh, me personally and just like a lot of you in the congregation, the church does not borrow money for anything. We don't have any church credit cards. We don't have loans for any of the equipment here. Everything we do is cash. So when we desperately, I mean, we live in Barstow. It's like 115 half the time here. You need AC. It's an emergency to have ACs. But we decided, you know what? We're going to trust the Lord. We're not going to take out a loan. And so uh, <clears throat> over about a month, we just took up a few offerings. Uh, and no, there wasn't like any person, one person gave like, you know, here's $50,000, go buy your ACs. It was all of us chipping together and just throwing, chipping away at it. And within, amen. <laughs> within a, what, within about a month, we had raised cash to buy all new ACs for the entire building. Amen. And if we had gone out and taken out a loan, God, that we would never have given God a chance to work like that. We'd just be paying away on it every month, which is what, unfortunately, a lot of us do in our personal lives. Well, i got to have it so you don't even give God a chance to work. You just go put it on the credit card. So ultimately, uh, Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So the borrower is slave to the lender, and you cannot have two masters. So you have to get out of debt. That's the most important thing for handling money God's way. Uh, The second thing uh, is that you need to learn to act your wage. (laughs) And another way of saying this is that you're Income has to be more than your outgo. You cannot continuously spend more than you make. We're not in Congress. This is the actual real world. If you consistently spend more than you make, you're going to eventually end up bankrupt. Um, Look here what Proverbs uh, chapter 21 says. Uh, It says, uh, and I'll just for time's sake, so we're not here all day, I'll read it. It says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. 
fools spend whatever they get. So if you're constantly spending more than you make, the Bible here is calling you a fool. And it wasn't me. That was, This is the Bible. Um, so what we have to do is we have to learn to be content instead through Christ. Now, uh, there's a real famous scripture, Philippians 4.13. Does anybody know what that one says? It says, uh, I'll just quote it for those of us, maybe we don't all know it. It says, it's probably one of the most famous scriptures in the whole Bible. It says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's a very, very powerful verse. But a lot of people don't read the verses leading up to that to get the context of this verse. And so today, I'm going to do just that for you. <laughs> uh, let's uh, In Philippians 4, verse 11... Uh, it says, uh, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. So he's learned the secret to living no matter what his circumstances are. And what is that secret? This is where verse 13 comes in. The secret to contentment is I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You have to rely on Christ rather than spending all of this money. You have to learn how to be content. And like, and like I was saying earlier, uh, getting a, a huge raise isn't always the answer. Because you can't out-earn stupid decisions. You'll never make enough money to out-earn stupidity. <laughs> uh, think of all these NFL players. They make, the income is not their problem. They make plenty of money. And they just all, you see them on the news all the time, buying stupid cars and doing stupid stuff, and then they're all broke as soon as they're out of the league. As soon as their uh, income source is cut off, they have no money to show for it. Uh, something Dave Ramsey says is that it's stupid to spend money to buy things you don't need to impress people that you don't like. You have to learn to be content. And so, the rule of thumb we use is that uh, if your broke friends are making fun of you, then you're probably on the right track. Uh... Something, uh, uh, Julie and I have been teaching this course for several years. I remember when we were teaching it in Denver one time, uh, we had this couple uh, come through our class, uh, and they came from kind of a, a poorer family. And uh, But the, uh, in their culture, the way people uh, judged if you were doing good uh, with money or not was how many cars you had. And so it was a, a husband and wife, and, a, uh, and they had three cars. So one of them is just constantly parked. And so they decided, you know what, we're serious. We want to get out of debt, three cars with payments. We're going to sell one of these cars. And uh, as soon as they sold one of these cars, they had everybody at church, oh, oh, are you guys okay? Do you need do you need money for food or something? And it's just because there are people, everybody's like, well, if you don't have three cars, then there's something wrong with you. And so when they learned uh, that if everybody's making fun of me, that probably means I'm on the right track. And you know what? Uh, they talked to us uh, a few months after that, and they were completely debt-free. The first people in their family, they're now saving for retirement. And they've got a good life ahead of them. And it all started because they're doing things contrary to what everybody else was telling them. 
First uh, uh, Timothy chapter six verse six says, "Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth." So true wealth is being content in God. It's not the material possessions you have. It's just being content with with God. So you have to act your wage. Number three here uh, is you need to get on a budget. So this is something else Dave Ramsey says. He says, if you ma- if you manage money for you incorporated, the way you manage money for you now, would you hire yourself or fire yourself? So if you were in charge of managing money for a company called you incorporated, and you did the same job you're doing for your personal finances, would you hire or fire yourself? And I think uh, a lot of people would unfortunately have to fire themselves. It's kind of like the parable of the talents we were reading earlier. That ma- the, uh, the, the manager who went away, he wanted someone that were actually going to do something with his money rather than just whatever, stick it in, the, in a hole in the ground. Uh, let's look here at uh, Luke chapter 14. And I'm trying to have lots of scripture in here so you can see that these are biblical principles. It's not, and a lot of them are, you would think are common sense, but they're biblical principles. These are all straight out of the Bible. Um, Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. And this is uh, Jesus. Uh, he said, But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. So you have to have a plan for your money. And uh, something that I've heard said is that a lot of people don't like the idea of, of doing a budget. Maybe they feel restricted or whatever. But honestly, a budget is just telling your money where to go instead of always asking where it went. It's having a plan for your money instead of just wondering all the time where it went. So what you need to do is every month from now on, you need to do a written budget. Uh, if you're married, you need to do it with your spouse so you're on the same page. Because if not, you're going to be completely opposite directions. One of you trying to mess up the other one's plan or something. But you have to do it together with your spouse. And you need to stick to it. And uh, it's important that you do it with your spouse and that you stick to it. Um, and we won't cover... Uh, I've done lessons where I've got up here with a with a... a with a, a whiteboard and, and showed us how to do a basic budget. And we won't do that today. But uh, if you want to learn more about it, come to this FPU class, and I'll talk about that more in a minute. But it's going to show you how to do a budget and how to work it with your spouse or if you're single, how you can work it as a single person. Because uh, when you have this plan for your money, it's you'll feel like you've gotten a raise. Because you'll see, uh, you'll find little areas that you didn't realize you were spending in or or you'll find ways you can cut bills. So you need to... Get on a budget and stick to it. The next thing you need to do is you need to, number four, save money. Proverbs 21, verse 20. It says, the wise store up choice choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. 
And this is, once again, if you read the book of Proverbs, uh, it uses that word fools a lot because it's talking about people who just uh, have no control, have no self-control, no discipline. And so we need to not be fools. We need to save our money. Now, there are uh, three main basic reasons to save. Uh, the first one is you need to save for emergencies. Uh, there was a recent study done where they showed that 63% of Americans couldn't handle a $500 expected bill. Like if they get a $500 bill in the mail that they weren't expecting, they have no clue what to do. And it's going to just really throw them off. And that's not good. <laughs> so that's why you want to save for emergencies. You need to start. Uh, if you take FPU with us, you'll learn that the first thing we're going to do is just save $1,000. And it sounds like, some people it sounds like a lot. To some people it doesn't sound like very much at all. But you start by saving $1,000. And then we're going to move on and pay off all of our debt and everything. And after you pay off your debt, you're going to, you know, bump up your savings to get three to six months worth of expenses. But you have to save for emergencies. Uh, I remember uh, when Julie and I started taking the class, uh, it was not too long uh, after we had just saved up our $1,000. And I was driving home from work in Denver uh, in the middle of a snowstorm, and I had my tire blow out on me. <laughs> and uh, I'm not the most handy person. So I'm out there getting sleeted on in snow and it's freezing out trying to change my tire. Uh, and I was super ticked. But then about halfway through changing the tire, I realized, wait a minute. As soon as I get this tire on, I can just go to the tire shop and put a new tire on because I've got money in the bank. And so even though I was still cold and wet and miserable, it made it slightly less better. Instead of being a money emergency, and a tire emergency, it was just a tire emergency. So I, like three hours later, got the tire on. <laughs> I'm telling you, that there's a reason I played the piano. I can't. But uh, I got that tire on, and I drove it straight to the tire shop. Said, put four new tires on there, and it wasn't a big deal at all. But for a lot of people, that would be a huge emergency where you'd have to be thinking, you know, oh, man. Okay, well, I guess maybe I can just pay half the electric bill and we'll just have to cut back on groceries this week. If something as simple as that happens. Uh, you want to save for emergencies and you want to save to pay cash for things. And I know over the last few months, uh, cash hasn't been the most popular thing. Uh, but McDonald's actually did a study where they found that uh, people tend to, when they're using your credit card or your debit card, you tend to spend 47% more when you use a card instead of cash because you don't feel you don't feel the spit that you're spending. So to this day, when Julie and I go to the grocery store, we spend cash. Uh, and there's a lot of things that we spend cash on just because it helps us to spend less. But also, um, cash equals deals. Um, I remember... Uh, when Julie and I first moved to California, we needed some furniture for our house. So we saved up, I think, fifteen or 1600 bucks, and that's what we had. And we had it in cash. We went to Ashley Furniture, uh, and we found the furniture we wanted, and it was $2,100, I think. And so uh, this salesman was really trying to get us in. And I told him, I was like, don't mention payments, because if you mention 
90 days same as cash, I'm just going to walk out the door and go to the furniture store across the street because I don't do payments. But he really wanted to make the sale, so we willed and deal for a little bit. Uh, and eventually we were able to get that uh, $2,100 worth of furniture for our $1,600 cash that we had. And I just pulled out $1,600 bills because we'd been saving it up, paid it, and we got a deal. Whereas most people would finance it, and uh, that's the other thing. The 90 days same as cash that most people do. Um, it says 80% of it is not even paid off within 90 days. And so if you don't pay off the 90 days same as cash on your furniture within 90 days, they convert it into a 24 to 38% loan with a prepayment penalty. So even if you decide, okay, I've got money, I'm going to pay it off early now, they, they penalize you for paying it off early. So it's not really 90 days same as cash, it's 90 days and then 38% interest. Whereas ours, we turn $2,100 worth of furniture for $1,600. Because cash equals deals. And another one that people talk to me about a lot is uh, is car payments. Well, you got to have a car payment. And here's I, we already discussed earlier how the average car payment is $478. If you take $478 and stick it in a cookie jar... For 10 months, after 10 months, you would have saved up $5,000. Drive that car for 10 months, trade it in, and continue to save that $478. And within 20 months, you've paid cash for a $10,000 car. Does that make sense to everybody? And if you wanted a $15,000 car, do the same thing. Save $500 for 10 more months, trade in your $10,000 car, you got $5,000, and within 30 months, you've paid cash for a $15,000 car. It's not as hard as you might think. And a lot of people complain, uh, well, I want something that's reliable and safe. Uh, I've known plenty of people who have driven new cars off the parking lot, and the transmission blow out three weeks later. So thinking that just because you're buying something new guarantees reliability and safety is not necessarily true. And then I personally, uh, right before I moved from Indiana to Denver, uh, I noticed that my older brother Jason had an old uh, 1987 Chevy Nova sitting in his barn that he wasn't driving. So I bought this Chevy Nova off of my brother for $200. And it was not a nice car, but I only spent $200 because that's all I had. And I drove back and forth half a dozen times from Indianapolis to Denver in that Chevy Nova without any issues. So you've got people buying brand new cars that the transmission could go out three weeks later, and then I've got my Chevy Nova that drove thousands of miles up in the altitude in Denver with no issues. Uh, and then I was, a funny story about Novas, just uh, indulge me for a second. Uh, when the Novas first came out, uh, they were starting to be a, a popular, cheaper car in America. So Chevy uh, decided that they wanted to introduce the Chevy Nova to uh, Mexico and to some Latin countries. Uh, and this car was selling like crazy in America. But after they sold it, uh, they introduced it to Mexico. Nobody there was buying any of these Chevy Novas. And they couldn't figure out why. So finally, they asked someone that actually uh, spoke Spanish. And evidently, Nova in Spanish, and maybe I've got the story wrong, but Nova in Spanish means no go. 
So they're trying to sell these cars, and it's the Chevy no-go. So nobody in Mexico would buy these cars. It has nothing to do with anything. But when I think of my Nova, I think of that. Um, so save to pay cash for things. And uh, the third thing is you want to save uh, to invest. Proverbs 13.22 says that good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. But the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. And investing is not as complicated as you might think. You can take something as simple as $100 a month, like some of us spend that much on Starbucks. You probably heard this said before. If you take $100 a month and stick it in just a basic mutual fund from age 30 to age 70, at age 70, when you're ready to retire, it would be $1.1 million. So for $100 a month, all of us in here could retire as millionaires. There's no reason for any of us to retire broke. Save to invest. The last thing that you can do with money, and this is the most fun, uh, is that you can give money, number five. And uh, we won't spend a ton of time on this one because you guys, probably any one of you that have been here for more than three weeks could get up here and talk for an hour on giving because we are such a big church on giving. We love to give. But Acts 20.35, it says to remember the words of Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, being able to give anytime you want, whatever you want, without worrying about it, is literally the most fun that you'll ever have with money. Uh, something that Dave Ramsey says is that if if you eat enough lobster, eventually it all starts tasting like soap. <laughs> because eventually it's not fun to just buy a lot, you know, go out to eat all the time and spend stuff. It's more fun, it's more blessed to be able to give than to receive. So, I guess, to wrap it all up, uh, really finance is just 20% knowledge, but it's really 80% behavior. If you don't do these principles, then they're not going to work. Uh, James one twenty two says, but don't just listen to the God's word, you must obey what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourself. There's that word fooling again. If you don't do these principles, you're just fooling yourself. So uh, if you really, if you want to learn even more about these principles, you can, like I've said, you can buy this uh, Total Money Makeover book in the bookstore, or you can come to Financial Peace University, which is just a nine-week class where we dig into this. We dig into to budgeting, into getting out of debt, uh, into how you can invest, like we were just talking about. It digs into a lot of that stuff. It, it's a, it's a nine-week course. Um, you can sign up uh, at hdwc.org slash fpu. Um, and there, you do have to, to buy the course. It's not my course. It's someone else. Uh, it's Dave Ramsey's course. Uh, and they've got, I think it's actually on sale right now until the end of the month. Uh, so if you're interested, I would check it out today, hdwc.org slash fpu. But we're going to do it on Monday, September 13th will be our first class. A lot of times uh, we do it on Sundays or Wednesdays, but then I found out that a lot of, the people at church can't come because they're working in the nursery or something. And so I wanted to do it on a Monday night this year. So anybody that wants to come can come. I'm going to try to have child care for anybody that needs child care, but it'll be like $2 per child per night. Um, but if you're on the fence about it, then I would uh, encourage you just come check out the first class for free. It's going to be on the 13th at uh, uh, 6 p.m. And uh, I do have a quick video I want to show that just shows 
a, a little bit about this, if I can have Maylee hit that, and then I'll probably have Pastor Dave come up if he wants. Let's go ahead and watch this video. Most stories that have a happy ending don't feel like it along the way. We borrowed for everything. Want a new couch? Go finance it. Want a new TV? Go finance it. Want a new car? Go finance it. My whole philosophy was credit cards. I'll just work another week. Swipe the card. Everything kind of started to crash. We started to see our marriage drop away. I personally owed $750,000 in debt. I was totally hopeless. You need to decide if you want to be wealthy or if you want to look wealthy. When somebody told me about FPU, I grabbed hold of it like a life preserver. It gave me hope that we could make our marriage work. Knowing where your money's going is a huge life changer. Nobody owns me anymore. Nobody. It's opened up communication big time. All of a sudden we were back together on a crusade. We changed our family tree. I'm here to do my debt-free screen. Yeah, how much have you paid off? Four hundred and fifty-six thousand. Eighty-nine thousand. One hundred and twenty thousand. Three hundred ninety-four thousand. Three, two, one. This financial peace stuff is working. People are getting out of debt and they're becoming millionaires. We are the first generation that are millionaires and we've given more than we ever imagined we could give. I now have a net worth of $1.7 million. Hope is real. Alright, alright. Praise God. Amen. Well, did anybody learn anything today out of the, that was good. <laughs> that was awesome. And, uh, and I, I really think that, hey, if, if you even feel anything at all in your heart of God tugging on you to go, just go. Nine weeks and, uh, it'll change your life. Absolutely. And, uh, and Josh made so many good points there, but I know it's, it's real easy to think that, hey, if I just earned more money, more money would take care of it. But if we just mismanage more money, we're in the same spot forever and ever and we're ready to move forward. Amen. Can we stand up together today? Amen. Let's give, uh, let's give God a hand and give Josh here a hand for Sharon. Amen. I'm going to have our prayer team uh, come on up this morning, and uh, we know we g- we gave a lot more uh, practical, natural wisdom and information today, but. If you came today and you need prayer for something, maybe it is prayer for your finances or or whatever the case may be, we want to be here for you and we want to make sure that you get the help that you need today. I know we've seen a lot of people getting prayed for for healing lately and I've been seeing and hearing lots of testimonies of God healing people. Uh, last Sunday morning I prayed for a young mom here that I think she had a herniated disc in her back. She had been in crippling pain and off work for weeks. We anointed her with oil and prayed Wednesday night she came skipping in and said after you prayed the pain is gone I'm back at work and so it's it's Jesus but you need to know that God answers prayer and we want to pray for you today so anyway let's take a minute here amen Nick has a testimony all right hey I've got a hey where's Nick at where's Nick at hey Nick come on up all right uh, my dad tells me that Nick has a testimony so I want to hear this impromptu testimony amen amen nick is a this is a good young man right here he's a godly man raising a godly family and uh it's just so cool to see everything the lord's done in in this guy's life but 
I have no idea what this testimony is. This is new to me. <laughs> well, you have an idea what it is, but I just didn't tell you the results. So um, a few months ago, I took time off work and uh, just to deal with some mental issues and some physical issues that I won't get into depth with. But um, it was very concerning and alarming to where the doctors thought it was a big possibility of cancer. And um, before I went and even got tests done, I went straight up to Pastor Dave. And I was, I went, you know, I believe in God's word 100%, how, as strong as it is. It's, it's powerful what God can do. I went to Pastor Dave. Um, I was looking for Pastor Bernie and Mrs. P as well because it says go to the elders for prayer. You know, have them lay hands on you. And, and let them do the healing. And, and our pastoral staff that we have here oh my, is so powerful. Pastor Bernie's prayed over me for multiple things. At one point in time, I tore ligaments in my, my uh, bicep into my forearm, and it was swollen. I went up to him swollen. He gave me these scriptures to fall on, and just he goes, pray all night. First thing you do, wake up in the morning. I don't care what you're feeling. Pray and believe. And I woke up the next morning to the swelling completely gone to full functioning of my arm, and it was unbelievable. Um, but anyways, I don't want to take too much time. Going up to Pastor Dave and asking, hey, this is what's going on. This is what the doctors believe. This is what they're telling me. I want to beat this before we even start the test. I want to beat it and eliminate and get rid of everything possible that they're thinking is going on. So I just got results back uh, the other fr- uh, last week Friday. Um, going to get results of all these tests that they did for months they told me we've never seen such a healthy body your numbers are excellent they couldn't be any better like they go whatever whatever was going on there's no trace of anything in your body that we could find that you first started coming to see us that we can't find no symptoms of anything that we've been talking about your numbers are just miraculous and they're like whatever you're doing keep doing and i'm laughing i'm like i'm not doing nothing it's all god I, i have literally done nothing my diet didn't change I've been eating out with my wife and eating, I want to say horrible, I love vegetables, but eating horrible, I'm like, nothing's changed. I should have cholesterol or something or whatever. But anyways, God has definitely removed all possibilities of anything negative in my body. And I I just want to thank you for laying hands on me and and everything that God has done. So that that is the testimony. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's all Jesus. We know that. It, it's not any one of us. It's all Jesus. But praise the Lord. If uh, I'm going to have Josh lead us in some worship, Josh and Katie here. And so worship God where you're at. Thank him for what he's done in your life. But if you need prayer, come up and let us pray for you today. Amen. Let's do this. Great is your faithfulness to me. your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting same I will praise your name great is your faithfulness to God 
of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. And great is your faithfulness to To the setting, same I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me. Though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing you can't do. You're faithful and true. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart burn. When you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me from the to the setting same I will praise your name great is your faithfulness to me great is your faithfulness to To the setting, same I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me.
Amen, amen. Well, I'm glad I came to church today. Is anybody with me? <laughs> Praise the Lord. What a good time. And, you know, of course I'm biased, but I love going to church here. I love seeing people get healed. I love seeing marriages restored. I love just seeing God do miracles in people's lives. And I'm grateful to be with people that still believe in miracles. I'm grateful to be with people that still believe God's word is true, even if it's not popular with the rest of the world. You guys are awesome. You're incredible. I love you guys. Let's give it give it up for the church family today. Amen. Praise God. Well, I want to remind you that we have service tonight at 6 o'clock. Pastor's going to be preaching the word for the first time in a few weeks. So he's ready to go and do this for us, 6 o'clock tonight. And um, also, if you needed a little help with uh, the um, the Ministry of Help's information, <laughs> I'm totally butchering what she just told me to say. What did you just tell me to say? Say it the right way. If you need set up to get emails for the Ministry of Helps stuff, meet me in the coffee bar and we'll make sure that you're all set up and you've got the information you need. That's what I meant to say. That was exact. I was going to say that, but it didn't come out. So, um, also, if you want to get baptized on September 19th, go to the info booth and sign up because we would love to baptize you. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and speak some words of faith over Barstow because who in here knows that Barstow is coming to Jesus? You know that. Amen. That Barstow is a wonderful place to live because Jesus is right here with us. Amen. So let's say this loud. Say it proud. Say it in faith. Say it together. Let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. See you tonight.